1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 90 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. Whew, this is another fun one. We got another great group lined up this week. I'm excited to talk about the end of free agency with, uh, I, I guess, maybe the best way to put it is like the, the Club FFL gang. But there's a couple of other things you guys are doing. So I'll introduce my guests. We've got uh, Josh Hudson at the one. Husto- uh, well, I'll let you do it because I'm terrible at saying that. So I got Josh first off, Hudson. intro Kelly.
2: About? She's a hell of a lot more important than I am. She's
1: so. I was going to end with the good bang there. Go ahead, go <laughs> ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Tell us what you got.
2: Well, I'm Josh Hudson. Uh, people say that I run Club Fantasy FFL. I I'm just a contributor like everybody else. Um, but most people will probably know Club Fantasy from our work with Women of Fantasy Football, which Kelly is also a contributor of. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, you know, we have our own YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash club fantasy FFL. We do weekly podcasts, uh, articles on our website, club fantasy FFL.com, Twitter at club fantasy FFL. I mean, that's what we do. It's all about having fun and, and shooting the shit and that kind of thing. So
1: I love it. And then of course, as you mentioned, we've got the one and only Kelly Singh. Welcome Kelly to the podcast.
3: Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, as soon as you asked, I was like, heck, yeah, let's do this.
1: <laughs> well, and so what, I, I, we had other other guests lined up that kind of fell through at the last minute and there was some scrambling. And my first thought was like, well, who, who could I ask that would like probably say yes without much like hesitation? And I was like, you know what? Kelly and I have been talking a lot on Twitter. I bet she'd be game for this. So appreciate you coming on, Kelly. And then, of course, kind of dragging Josh over from Club FFL with you too. So that will be hey, whatever a- Kelly's
2: involved with. Count me in. That's all I know. <laughs>
1: Right. And we just heard before the podcast, (laughs) well, before the podcast, you were, you're mentioning that you, you got a new gig. You're working now with Trophy Smack. Congratulations on that. Do you want to tell the listeners or anybody what's the latest with that? What's the latest in Kelly world?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been doing all of this amazing content creation with, um, um, club FFL with, uh, women of fantasy football with, the Commish, which I've been with for a couple of years now, and uh, IBT Media. That's all been freelance work. Oh, shoot. And Woodward Bets broadcasting <laughs> once a week. So um, busy.
2: I was like, God, the signs oh, I mean, are right there behind <laughs> you. Right so. my <laughs> Make some
3: bets at uh, Woodward Bets, part of the Woodward Sports Network. Um, but just recently, starting tomorrow, I am part of the marketing team at Trophy Smack. Uh, which makes trophies for uh, corporate awards, as well as a lot of fantasy awards across all the sports and uh, content as well. But I'm going to be part of that marketing team, which is what I do. So I'm super excited. Thank you for asking.
1: That's amazing, Kelly. (laughs) So happy to hear it. Couldn't happen to a better person, honestly. I love seeing your updates. I love hearing about what you're doing and Reading all your work. You got some really good insights. And I do want to talk a second about that women of fantasy football. I think what that is that is a great idea. I think that is something that needs more boosting. You know, that we need to talk more about this. There's a whole untapped market, not only of, of customers, so to speak, but of content creators. Right. There's a lot of people yeah. out there with terrific ideas. And I feel like the more chances we have to give them voices, I'm I'm all for it. So what do you, what do you have to say about that? I guess do you have any input or anything that we should look out for as that kind of comes into the next season?
3: Yeah, um, for sure. I I will let Josh talk about our new partnership that we have going. But um, something that I've been really excited about and I think – Faith, who is our cohort in women of fantasy football, has been really excited to have me on the team because she and I have been talking privately. We're able to bounce ideas off of each other that we may not be able to bounce off of one of the guys, for instance, or um, she gets my input on a lot of marketing things um, where we've now landed on – something really cool that's coming this summer. I almost said it out loud, but we haven't cheered I'll it. do it.
1: <laughs> Ooh, we are live, Kelly. We are live. Let's be careful. We, we have a podcast that people will be listening to later. But if you're joining us live on YouTube, you might have heard Kelly slip almost, uh, but no, wait, she caught it. She caught it. Good job. But
3: Faith and I are doing some traveling this summer. Uh, on behalf of Women of Fantasy Football, and we're really excited. And then um, Josh can talk about our new partnership, which does highlight women in the sports community um, in a really positive light.
1: And was that the Galvanize? Is that what that is, Josh? Correct, yeah. So uh,
2: we, were, we were extremely lucky enough to have uh, Laura Oakman on our Women of Fantasy show last August. Uh, for those that don't know, Laura is one of the longest tenured sideline reporters in the NFL. Uh, She works with uh, Fox Sports and she runs an organization called Galvanize. And what Galvanize does is they want to help encourage, mentor and promote the idea that women belong in sports. And one of the biggest ways that they do that is through organizing these boot camps with professional sports teams. Um, obviously Laura's very well ingrained in the NFL and does a lot with different NFL franchises. Um, uh, they're actually getting ready to announce their slate of boot camps for this summer. Um, mm. I know, uh, through my conversations with Laura and faith, uh, Laura is working to, I believe she wants to do five this year. She wants to scale it down just a little versus from last year and a couple of years ago. um, dates are still to be announced, but they're, they're coming soon. Um, but it, again, it's a way for, um, you know, women to kind of experience, not just the on-camera side of working in sports, but also behind the scenes, which Kelly's now getting a taste of working in the marketing side, you know, you know, there's a lot more to sports than just being on camera and talking, you know, at the audience and talking to coaches and, and players. It's, you know, running social media and, you know community outreach and all of these different things and that's what these boot camps are set up for. So uh when we do our raffles um in August for during the Women of Fantasy Football event essentially what that's going to do is it's going to contribute to a scholarship fund that basically pays for up to you know x amount of women to attend these boot camps because you know they're not cheap unfortunately.
1: Hmm. No, that's awesome. And I think I've been following Galvanize for a little while. I love what they do because in exactly like what you said, not everything has to be about, you know, on camera stuff. There's a ton of behind the scenes work that I feel like gets kind of I don't want to say ignored per se, but gets kind of brushed aside. There's a ton of people that make all of that work. And and there's a ton of jobs in those fields that I think a lot of people and women especially get don't look at that as an option or don't don't think of that maybe as an option when in reality you can create content and do a whole bunch of different things and never have your face shown on camera. If you want, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways to get your opinions out there and to make your voice heard uh, literally and figuratively um, that don't require you being on camera. And I think sometimes, and and especially I'm oversimplifying, but I think in general, I think there's a lot of, you know, visibility and, and like, you know, having a certain, you know, camera appeal in all of this for, for women. And I think there's some, some, I don't know, some disconnect where it's like men don't have to worry about that nearly as much. You know what I mean? Like, I was going to say, I'm like,
2: definitely not the yeah. prettiest face on camera yeah. well, Look,
1: week, at Look at so. our, we're faces made for radio, Josh, and that's not a problem. Hey, I, and okay. I've been doing radio yeah.
2: 20 years, baby. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. But I mean, I feel like there's, there's this weird like disconnect where I, I feel, maybe I'm incorrect here, but I feel like there's this no, weird, you're you know, not. I have to be pretty to get on camera and that's the only way I can make it. And that's not true. You have to be smart, you have to be intelligent, you have to be funny and all of those things. I mean, obviously that's, that's the part that I like the most about this movement is that there is no one way to do this. You know, you don't have to be any one thing, just be you. I think that's ultimately what drew me to you, Kelly, is that you're always you. You're just yourself. That's just who you are and it's never different. It's That's you. And it's showing it pays off, right? It shows, it it pays off. So I love it, I love it.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, And you're right, there is this kind of double standard. I feel like that's why I wasn't in sports in my 20s because there wasn't necessarily this opportunity. And by the time they did start hiring women for these roles, they were on camera roles, and you did have to fit a certain mold. And by that time, I didn't fit that mold anymore. Um, But that's exactly being myself, doing what I do, along with my marketing skills, um, allowed me to get the gigs I have now not just the writing gigs, but the on camera gig with Woodward, for instance, they're like, we can get TNA anywhere. We want somebody who knows what they're talking about, who enjoys the sport, who is media trained, which I am, and then I mean, like I think I'm still cute, so I mean I'm still cute, but I'm not like... You know yeah, what I mean? No, but you know wow. what I'm getting at. You know what I'm getting at. I'm 43 years old. I'm not 23 years old anymore. So I think that demographic is changing. That view of what we see a woman in sports being is changing. And I'm just really excited to be um, even outside of content now and developing campaigns and using my brain to um, do what I do best. So I'm, I'm excited to be in sports like full time now.
1: And I really hope that that rubs off on a lot of other women. There's a lot of young women, old women, however old you are. There is a space for you in this industry. There is nothing but positive upside. And I think that we're seeing a big change in the last, even the last couple of years, it's really, really taken off. And it's been awesome to see. So I'd love to what you guys doing with women of fantasy football. So who else is involved in in that league, I guess, or in that, in that movement, maybe if that's a thing, Josh, if you want to start with that, like who else do you guys got coming into that this year? Do you know?
2: Honestly, it's everybody that, that, you know, writes and contributes with club fantasy, you know, it's, you know, we don't really, we don't really put a a pin saying that, you know what you, you work with women of fantasy and then you work with club fantasy. It's not anything about that. I mean, you know, what we, what we're doing with women of fantasy, we're focusing more so just on pushing the idea of you know in inclusivity and, and getting more right. women involved it's not necessarily about hey i'm going to bring this woman on to work with us and all of her content's going to be on women of fantasy football it, it's not so much about that um what what we're really looking to do is um you know just spread the I'll word say really. it. You, go ahead you say
3: it. provide like a supportive community a safe space you provide an opportunity where there may not have been an opportunity Um, you're showcasing women's content. Like you said, it's not just on the Women of Fantasy site. It's also on Club Fantasy. It's a lot of cross-promotion and teamwork. I can go into our group chat and tell them, like, the most horrible man story, and all of them are like, who do we beat up, you know? Like, they're there for it, or our wins. They're there for our wins, and they share, and they're so supportive. So that's basically what it is, is that, Josh hit the nail on the head with that inclusivity bit. It's it's an inclusive space, and I hope more, uh, this of that.
1: Yeah, and I think too what you're saying, Josh, is it makes it sound like it's an entry point. It's a spot. It's a place that people can go if they don't know where to start. You know, maybe there's there's plenty of women out there. They don't know, exactly who do I, who do I go to first where who will be willing to publish my content you're kind of yeah, and, and, and content, that's why we do the women of fantasy
2: shows yep. I mean you know we like to be able to bring on these women that have been in the industry for a long time and let them tell their stories and serve as an inspiration because at the end and and that's one thing that Laura preaches especially with her galvanized boot camps she's mm-hmm. like you don't have to be a certain age to do that I mean during last year's boot camp she had women as young as 18 years old and as old as 48 years old going to these boot camps and that's some awesome. of them have never done anything in sports. Some of them are still getting their foot in the door. Some of them are deciding to change careers. And, you know, oh, yeah. you never know when inspiration hits. And, and, you know, people change careers all the time. Why can't that be a woman getting into sports, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. And, and all of us at Club Fantasy, that's really what we want to do is, you know, just be that entry point for people. And, and this partnership with Galvanize I think can really open a lot of doors for uh, for women and, and even men that, you know, actually are supportive of women that aren't looking at women. Like you don't belong here. You've never played this game. You can't talk about it. Like that's an attitude oh. that you can leave at the front door and, and go kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. So,
1: yeah, like the classic, you know, you don't know who pitches for the Mets. You can't cover sports. Like come quit, quit with the, game oh, game. No. Oh,
2: I had oh, a coworker on. the other day when the NFL announced the changes to the Rooney rule. He told me he's like there. There's no substitution for experience. I said, Yeah. How well is Michael Jordan running the the Chicago uh, or the the Charlotte Hornets right now? Crickets. One of the greatest basketball players in in <laughs> NBA history, if not the greatest, and ain't done jack shit as owner of the Hornets. So I don't don't tell me that. You you don't have to have experience playing a game to be able to intelligently talk about it. And I shut him up real quick. Well, like, the care. other
1: angle you could take on that is that let's get more women in the experience of managing sports. Let's get more exactly. women in content and creation. That's what so the Rooney Rule is set it. up to do. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like It's it's literally because you you need some experience in order to get more experience. And if you don't give them a starting point, if you don't have an entry point, exactly. the whole thing is moot. So yeah, yeah, I love what you guys are doing. I love what, what Laura and the whole team at Galvanize is doing too. I think that's a terrific idea. So I definitely look forward to hearing more from you guys over the summer here, of course. And as we get into that, that, and launch just of the a nice
2: little preview, we have some really bomb ass raffle items this year. Just <laughs> you know. oh, I'm excited.
1: I'm excited. Well, we'll definitely have to keep, keep us posted. We'll, we'll, we'll be in touch, Absolutely. of course, as we go through the offseason. But let's, let's get into the content, right? Let's start creating some content here. So I wanted to talk at least a little bit about some of the news. I feel like this week was luckily very quiet in general when it comes to fantasy news. We had, uh, you know, a really crazy march, and it's nice that it kind of went out like a lamb, right? Where it's like, whew, we had we had the combine and all these trades, and then free agency, and it's just been just crazy. And I like that we kind of had a week where it I felt like we could all kind of catch our breath. So the one the one news item, so to speak, that I wanted to talk about and kind of I guess get your opinions on was just the Bruce Arians move was was the most intriguing to me. Um, there's been a lot of I don't know opinions or a lot of uh, you know, speculation about what that means for Tom Brady or, I mean, does that mean Tom Brady's getting traded to Miami, which I don't think is true, but I mean, I guess in in general, do you think, you know, what does this mean for any of those players? And Kelly, we'll start with you. Do you see this as a big thing for in dynasty or just in fantasy in general? Do you see this moving the needle for anybody?
3: I I don't think it's going to affect dynasty in general, or perhaps even the people who are saying, oh, this was a Tom Brady decision. He was going to retire if they didn't get rid of Arians. Whatever. I think, personally, Arians has had some health issues. He is not in the greatest health Being a head coach tax has to tax you. It can't be an easy job. It has to be super stressful. So why wouldn't he take this opportunity to leave head coaching, still be part of the organization? Just like we were talking about, there are so many parts to an organization and he's still going to be part of that organization just in a different capacity. And I think it was a personal choice.
1: Well, I think that's a good point. And I think, I mean, Bruce Arians is not a spring chicken, right? He He's getting up there right. and he's done a lot. Coaching is not easy. We've seen it affect a lot of a lot of coaches of all different ages. And, and you know, it's stressful and all that. So I think you're on the right track there. I guess, Josh, do you kind of have that same feeling? Like it's really not that big of a deal for fantasy in general?
2: Yeah, I, as long as Tom Brady is there, I'm not really that worried about it. I mean, how let, – let's be real here. How many irrelevant fantasy options – Does Tom Brady produce like he's going to keep elevating people, right? Peyton Manning did the exact same thing. He essentially was his own offensive coordinator at this point in his career. I think you can say the same about Tom Brady. So I'm not really so much worried about the offense falling off, especially because Byron Leftwich. you can say what you want about his career as a player. I feel like he's done pretty well as an OC and he's had a really good mentor in Bruce Arians. So now he's going to get the opportunity to show that, hey, I don't need Arians in my ear to call a good game. So now it's going to become, well, did he need Tom Brady to call a good game? Like, there's always going to be the, these whispers with, with Left Wish, right? But you still have Godwin. You still have Evans. You still have Fournette. Gronk technically hasn't come back yet, but we all know that now that Brady's back, it's only a matter of time. I'm not very worried about this offense at all. In terms of dynasty, the only worry I would have at this point is age. That's it. Yep. And I can't speak on the on the defensive side of the ball because I don't really play IDP leagues. So nah, sorry, guys. I don't either.
1: I'm, I'm unabashedly not anti-IDP. Just agnostic to like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just uh, I already I already have enough uh, stress on my plate dealing with the offense. I'm still learning. Um, but I do want to say there, there's one piece of this that I, I think is it has been talked about it's not that it hasn't been talked about but I want to hit on a little harder and it's the fact that that he Arians chose this because he didn't want to have anything chaotic happen this season that then kind of forced him out and to cause a lot of chaos for the coaching staff I think that to me that does have an impact on Dynasty he was like let's say Tom Brady gets hurt or, you know, something happens. We go 10 and seven and I I leave at the end of the year. I don't control the narrative. I think he was big about saying that. And I think this is a way to keep that offense consistent and, and kind of getting out before it, it has to happen. Right. And we've seen a couple different players and coaches in general kind of do this. I really like the timing in a sense too. It's like it's before the draft. So he doesn't draft his guys and then bring someone else in. He's keeping on bowls as the head coach, so to speak, he's taking on a role in the front office. Like it just, it makes it like the smoothest transition I think you can ask for, which for me impacts dynasty because that means most of these players and situations are most likely not going to change, right? If this had gone a different direction, you have guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin this year. Well, Godwin may not be there next year. He was barely there this year. You know, Mike Evans, he's getting older. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Fournette is on the last legs of maybe his contract. Or whatever, but he's still balling out. I think in theory, what this makes me feel is a little more safe and secure with my, my Buccaneers assets. Right. I mean, it's a little movement, but it's something, you know, if they go struggling out of the gate with Todd Bowles, I still don't think that they're going to throw that away and start over. Right. This is the start of a new regime with Todd Bowles being there. So, and again, it just makes it like the, the easiest way to transition, which in dynasty transitions can be good or bad. Right. And that's something we're going to talk about as we get kind of into the free agency side of things, of course, is, you know, when changes occur, is that something that we, we like, you know, there are some players, and, and we'll kind of wander down this path at various points. But there are some players that I feel like really benefited, like Kyle, by the way, uh, there are some players that really benefited from a free agency change, from changing teams or changing coaches or getting a new quarterback, right? Those those kind of free agency changes happen all the time. And it's nice, I guess, for the Bucs at least to not have a change. And maybe that's the best thing that could happen to them. So that's kind of where I wanted to bring it around to a dynasty mindset. I feel like there's so much chaos sometimes the, the non-chaos gets lost in the shuffle. Does that make sense, Josh? Am I, am I ringing true? No, yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you, you take solace in the fact that Godwin signed a three-year deal. Fournette signed a three-year deal. So these guys are, again, they're going to be there. So with this smooth transition, I think the only thing that you really have to worry about potentially is, A, without Arians there, Ego's blowing up and getting the best of them because, they don't have a strong figure head to control. And we saw how quickly things got out of hand with the jets in New York with Todd Bowles. Maybe things change now. Um, but again, I, th- I still think that's a worry at this point because it just, it hasn't been proven or disproven. Excuse me. Um, the second, what happens if Leftwich gets a head coaching job next year, now you're in that transition yep. period. Right. Yep. So, but again, th- these are, these are hurdles that you're always going to encounter in dynasty. So, for me it's it you're still playing a one year at a time game even though you are still trying to look two to three years down the road the best thing to me that comes from this fournette signed a three-year deal uh godwin with the three-year deal evan's still under contract continually restructuring to me this is an opportunity that you can maybe offload them to a contender for instance maybe you're kind of in that middle of the pack like hey get some of these, you know, higher end draft picks over the next couple draft classes and hit that reload button.
1: Yeah, I like that. Kelly, are are you kind of on that same page?
3: Yeah, I'm kind of soaking this all in because when I say that I don't think it's going to have an impact, I'm strictly thinking about the players themselves. Um, and not necessarily how they're functioning together as a team or with their coaches. And that's probably just because I'm newer to dynasty, but hmm. that's kind of my mindset is how talented is my guy and is he still going to have a job? Yes. I don't think anybody on the box, like we've already discussed, they're not moving for the next three years. So when you bring up, that consistency and that being the impact on dynasty. I'm like, oh yeah, that's such a great way to frame it. I hadn't thought of it that way. So thanks for that. That's this is really expanding my my own education as well.
1: Well, that's what these conversations are all about, right? Whether you're in them or listening, it's it's all about making us better, right? We're all and, and yep. a lot of the people that listen and I've had some people coming in the chat already. A lot of people that listen to us are are pretty hardcore dynasty people, but there's always a new opinion. There's always an outside of the box, no matter what your box is, no matter how big it gets, it's always good to think outside of it.
2: Well, and that's, and the other side of it too, there's no one right way to play Dino. Yep. So, you know, you can always do what you feel is going to work best for you. You want a championship one way. Great. Maybe in another league, you win a championship, a championship, a completely different way. And yep. you know, I've seen it happen in numerous times. People go through these productive struggles. People just buy up every veteran, never have any draft picks and when like it, there's no wrong way to play dynasty unless you're just we, consistently losing. That's about
1: it. <laughs> but even then, if you're having fun, is it really wrong? Hey, yeah.
2: you know, some people do like donating league fees. I mean, that, sure. I guess that's fun. So,
1: <laughs> well, I guess at some point maybe it becomes less fun, but if it's still fun, you're in the league. If it's not fun, get out. I always, that's pretty much my number one rule. When do I, you know, when do I know if I need to leave a league? Well, Are you having fun in that league? Then stay in that yeah. league. It's really that simple. Or, Obviously, if it's like a five thousand dollar buy-in and you you know just lost your job, maybe that's the one you quit, right? There are some other factors, right. but in general, if it's for fun, but like it's for fun. fun, Andrew. I will find the five grand. <laughs> <laughs> I got a liver, right? We could sell. Oh, I have to keep that. Um, no, I think I, I kind of bringing it back for just a second, talking about the chaos and the craziness. I I keep thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if Antonio Brown comes back? Right? He and he and Bruce Arians, the ABBA combo, didn't work. Right. It was obviously there was some some butting of heads there The the fact that the regime isn't changing and he's staying with the team, I think, means no. A.B. is not coming back. They don't want him back. He doesn't want to go back. So that's kind of where I, I it would be interesting. It'd be a hell of a story if like in August we get some weird blurb that's like uh, A.B.'s back in the practice facility, he got his ankle fixed and he's going to play in the second pre- I'm just saying, wouldn't that be crazy? I'm not saying it's going to happen. No, he put man. he
2: put Tampa on blast. There, yeah. There's no way that Tampa is going to be like, you know what? All's forgiven.
1: No, no, I agree. I, I I just keep thinking it'd be interesting, but not from a sense of I'm predicting it to happen. Are you with me, Kelly? Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs>
3: would be interesting for sure definitely make news and a lot of things to talk about i just think tom brady probably feels super slighted already by Mm. just leaving and he was vouching for him so i can't even see that scenario happening but even more so something i had been talking about on another platform earlier was um the idea that um ab's making like this ultimatum like i'll fix my ankle if you sign me and it's like um you might want to work on your you know ultimatum game because you might you know you fix your ankle (laughs) and and then go get a job that's like me going out there and saying well i'll learn how to write if you hire me to be a writer like i don't like i don't understand so
1: yeah there's no downside to them saying no like oh your ankle's not fixed and i won't hire you i'll go hire someone else you know what i mean like what what are what are you really what are you taking off the table here you know what i mean it's it's a lose-lose for you i don't get it yeah i don't get that at all
3: so weird
1: yeah i heard that today and i was just like what a smart guy like man that's a there was a whole bunch of the, like people posting the meme like that's a bold move cotton you know what i mean like just <laughs> let's let's see if that works i i can't imagine the team taking on that drama after the way it ended but then if you add on the fact that he is injured and that was the whole reason that drama occurred and he's not willing to fix it until you sign him yeah it's like well then never mind that that is obviously i would go get that ankle fixed even if i'm not playing football like why just go get it fixed man it's got to be annoying to walk on like who you're only hurting right. yourself i just i don't get it i don't get it um, all right. So I think that's I think that's enough Buccaneers talk, although that is some interesting stuff going on there. Um, I know that uh, there there is a there are a bunch of other news stories, I guess. Was so there anything else from this week that you guys had on, on your radar that you wanted to bring up before we kind of get into some more of the free agency stuff? Anything at all? Josh, let's see. You got anything first?
2: No, nothing that really came across uh, for me. Um, we haven't really had a ton of signings outside of like Bobby Wagner going to the Rams, which. I, I, where the hell are they mining this money? Like, is it through Bitcoin or something? Because like, good God, like there, it's just like, there you go. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all like come and get it. And I I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it.
1: It, Well, it just goes to prove and goes to show that the cap is crap, right? Like they're really, the the, the cap doesn't exist. I mean, you can make it do whatever you want to do if you want to do it right. I guess, Kelly, you got anything like that? Any comment on that or any other news stories you want to discuss tonight?
3: Yeah, uh, I did want to share something that popped up across my social media right before I sat down here. And and it's totally a rumor, but being here in Phoenix, it's a big rumor. We still have not uh, worked out a contract deal with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I really don't think he'll be going anywhere, but there's still been some really strong rumors, especially because the Cardinals apparently met with uh, Malik Willis. So, Mm. um, there's been talk in this article that I came across that the Panthers have been really interested in um, in getting Murray. So, I mean, we can't really close the door on anything Kyler Murray-wise until that contract is signed. But being a native, I feel like he's going to stay. But I do find it interesting that they're meeting with other prospects
2: is is to Kyler get is. Ha, you love to see it. <laughs>
1: well, that would be, that would be interesting. And I think, I think sometimes there is this, um, there's this calm before the storm that we're probably experiencing right now in a way, but there's still a lot of time to make moves, right? The draft isn't until the end of you know April 28th. We're looking at four weeks from tonight. And again, the DAP network will be having a live draft reaction show that night. All of us that are on the, all the podcasts are going to get together. So we got the, the Trade Addicts, the Dynasty Junkies, Get Real, uh, you know, all those different pod- the timeline guys, of course, so those guys, we're all going to kind of hop on together at various points that night and do a live show. So if you're listening to this, tune in that night, starting at I think about eight o'clock Eastern, I think it's when the draft starts, we're going to have that. But what I'm getting at with this is there are some times before the draft to make a trade, but there's also time during the draft. I know last year we saw a few of those trades that were maybe not huge names, but like kind of make some moves happen during the draft. I wouldn't be shocked if we see some of that this year too. Um, We've, I think a lot of dynasty players and football fans in general have kind of heard how down this class is, but as always, as we get closer to the draft, that ends up being a little less true as you start to see what you have. Um, I think this one's just not as top heavy. It's not as flashy. There's not that, you know, one star to to kind of point to and say, this is the best guy. You know, we don't have anybody like a burrow or a, you know, a, a Tua even in that same class or Trevor Lawrence, like any of those big name attractions, but I think what that really does is just opens it up to so many different ways for teams to take this. So I think that's that's a new part I hadn't heard is that Kyler might get traded or you know find another contract somewhere else. Oh, that yeah. would be really interesting during the draft, wouldn't it? Like if something happens, and Mal- Malik Willis goes too, to the Lions, and then all the plans start to change. Or right? there's some other cascades that could happen. Or Lions trade the second pick to Arizona, who then in that trade trades Murray to. I, we don't know. And I just I love that part of this time of year of the NFL where it's just like I want one of these like ESPN
2: guess. NBA trade machine moves where like <clears throat> five different teams are getting involved in trades just yeah. to make salary cap numbers. I just I want to see that one time in the NFL just so I can say I witnessed
1: I well just I would watch love to see like, the
3: Maguire. Yeah. Right? Or draft
2: yeah. day. <laughs> draft Day.
1: I was just gonna say by the way, uh co host of the Dynasty junkies Rocky Petrella has not seen draft day. And I think that that needs to be Fire rectified. Him. Get him off the show. Fire I, him. You know what? I'm not going to say fired. He brought me on the show. I, I am not in that position. But, Rocky, you are editing this. Make sure after you're done All editing, we All right, we're, we're, we're helping Andrew
2: it. throw a coup. Let, That's let's right. Get him let's out go of get it, it
1: done. <laughs> it's worth your time, Rock. I'm just saying. I'm going to keep bugging <laughs> well, you until you watch it, hopefully before the draft dates out
3: I will say I will be at the draft. Ooh. Um. So I'm very excited for that. That'll be fine. And... Fun. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm excited.
1: I think that's all I, I think wild. this year, if, if this is how free agency is gone, imagine how the draft is going to go. Right. Like part of me is like, this is just the warm up and that's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, my so,
2: Eagles have three first round picks. So I'm like, I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go because Howie likes to trade. Yeah. So I'm and, very and- curious to see what moves he pulls off.
1: And you're, I'm sure, very aware that some of the picks they've made haven't been terrific. So they really, you know, maybe it's time to. Yeah, because I need
2: reminders how much our wide receiver core sucks. Thanks, Andrew. I just (laughs) wanted to
1: remind the listeners that the the Eagles are not great at making first round picks except for Devonta Smith. Anyway, we're going to move on to kind of where this is landing is that free agency is, like I said, is kind of coming to an end and we're going to try to wrap it up a little bit. Um, Obviously, as we head into March, we're still going to be looking more at the rookies and trying to figure out the draft and see what guys we want to take with our rookie drafts and dynasty and things like that. But I think there is some way to kind of say, well, you know, how much do we really value these changes? I mean, we hit on it a little bit before with the Buccaneers thing, but just in a broader sense, I mean, Kelly, you're kind of newer to dynasty. You mentioned it before, like you don't really think about some of that, but what do you think about when you're looking at the off season for dynasty leagues? Is there something that, you know, you kind of sit to, you kind of focus on or that you kind of sit on and say, that's what I'm familiar with. So that's what I lean on. Or is it, you just listen to smart people like the rest of us and try to glean knowledge from the, the general hive mind. What do you what do you tend to do?
3: Well, I have found that listening to smart people often pulls me in different directions because there are so many different ways to play Dynasty. So I've decided that I'm just making my own little hybrid way and doing like my own thing. I listen to my gut a lot, whether it's um, my life, personal life, my career, um, or fantasy football, I I listen to my gut. People tend to say I fall up. So I'm going to go ahead and Mm. continue to listen to my gut. And when it comes to the free agency, I um, feel like I need to be cautious. So what I've done is just pay attention to the player. What did they do last year? Do I feel like they're going to land comfortably somewhere else? yes, then I may pick them up. No, I'm going to stay away from them. And even if I'm not sure, I've been staying away from those players as well. And that's just me as a new player trying to be cautious because I don't want to end up with a lame duck on my bench that I could have used elsewhere. So um, that's kind of my mindset as it comes to free agency. If someone's super young, I get the feeling that they're going to get another chance somewhere else. So, and and that may be the mom in me too. <laughs> like, the optimist. Look, you yeah. can do it. You're yeah. young. You didn't get a fair <laughs> shake. This team is aging. They need more life. You're going to get another shot. But somebody that's like, I will even say 26, 27, 28, especially 20. Somebody in the late end of their 20s that's just not producing. They're a free agent now. They were already a backup to the backup. I'm like, oh my gosh, this Red is flag. probably not a good thing. But then you have the free agents that are like a veteran who, um, I'm going to use a terrible example. This is a really bad example. But like, say you have like a Sammy Watkins, for instance, that just doesn't produce, but there's a team that's desperate for a Sammy Watkins, and they pick him up. I'm still staying away from him because mm-hmm. he's Sammy Watkins. So I don't know if that's, that explains like where I stand, but that's how no, that's, it's been that's treading perfect. water.
1: That's perfect. And I feel like a lot of times that's that's kind of the way I started in Dynasty 2. This is my fifth Dynasty season. Um, and I'm in, you know, ridiculous amount of leagues, not like the others that I co host with, but for me it feels ridiculous. Um, you know, anything over 10 just gets to be kind of ridiculous. But at some point, you kind of I, I myself, when I first started, you kind of just go, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to hold. Right. And then you get trade offers and you're like, that sounds good, but I don't know. And then it's March. I don't need to worry about it. I'm just going to say decline. Um, I think and we talk about this almost to a fault at some points, trading and timing and all of that. It all combines together. Context is key. And time is one of the pieces of context that I think sometimes gets misunderstood or misrepresented. Is it like, do I need to make that trade today? No, I don't. I don't need to make that. So I'll come back to it if I feel like it comes around. Right. And there are definitely times where that's burned me, where a price has changed and I'm on the wrong side. But I feel like more often than not, the trades that I don't make end up helping my team quite a bit. Uh, Josh, are you kind of on that same page or do you have a different philosophy, I guess, when it comes to the offseason? When it
2: comes to free agency, um, not not speaking trades, but like free agency. Anytime wide receivers change teams, I instantly put them on the trade block and mm. wipe my hands with them. Free agent wide receivers that change teams typically have an absolutely terrible first season. Even the younger ones. Like, you know, you saw Corey Davis, who I think was 25 when he signed with the, the Jets last year. But again, it's the Jets. I get it. Right. And then you see like Christian Kirk, who I believe is 25 as well, just left Arizona and now going to Jacksonville. Like, and he was paid a buttload of money and he's ideally going to be their number one guy. Maybe he grows with Trevor Lawrence, but I would almost much rather see if I could pull, you know, a couple seconds, a second and a third, like some draft picks in the next couple of draft classes and be like, you know what? I'll take my dart throws elsewhere. That's your headache now. Even with guys that are in their later 20s, like a Tyreek, Devontae Adams, who were just recently traded, these guys are at the top of their game. They're now essentially starting over. Like, we know they're good, but now they have to get a better feel for a different quarterback. Now, I understand Adams played with Carr. But that's been almost 10 years. Like, it, some things aren't actually like riding a bike. So yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see how that happens. But again, if I could go through and I could pull, you know, a, a top 20 wide receiver who has wide receiver, one upside and maybe another first round pick. I'll part with Hiller Adams at that point. You know what I mean? When
1: well, you're hitting running back right?
2: I'm more, yeah. Running backs. I'm more interested in buying that change teams in free agency, just because I think naturally they're cheaper simply because teams don't want to give running backs that second contract. So they're, they're less expensive to, to buy from a dynasty perspective. Like, I mean, look at James Conner last year. Switching teams ends up, you know, an RB1, and now he's got a new three-year contract. Now is when I would be looking to sell James Conner. Exactly. But, yep. you know, at that point, it's like, all right, let me hop in. I'll go ahead and, and I'll look to buy these players now. Like we saw Rashad Penny, you know, kind of light it up. He ended up re-signing. Ronald Jones now switching teams. Uh, that's somebody actually, I would be more interested in selling. Like if I could get a second round pick, I'm okay with that at that point. Um, but that's kind of my philosophy when it comes to free agency.
3: Let me, let me like disagree here for a second, a little bit. Oh, and I don't know how like worthwhile this opinion is, but I'm going to share it anyway, because <laughs> I like when you mention names like Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill, that is, is a different animal like that person has talent it's not talent that has to be grown into it's it's just talent and i would say they're on the veteran end they know what they're doing and those teams pick them up so they can plop them right down in the field and it doesn't matter who's throwing to them that's just my opinion and i think that differs wildly from any other caliber of player that's the only like that. thing I picked up on is there's a difference between a player that has that proven talent whereas Christian Kirk we know he's good like he's a good player and they paid a crap ton of money for him and I'm actually gambling on him but he's not on the level of a Tyreek Hill or DeVonte Adams and I think they're they're definitely gambling it's a total crap shoot with him
1: well, and I think to kind of to wrap it up in maybe a different way. And what you're saying is there are studs and then the studs you don't need to worry about as much. But then there are those guys with potential and that have upside and things like that. And maybe what you're saying, Josh, is those people when they change teams, you're just like, I'd rather be out than, than risk it. And I don't think yeah, it's of one of those, plans, you know, yeah. get
2: out a year early versus hanging on to an asset and then not getting anything two years later or a year later.
1: You know well, I mean? there's something else that you said that I think is is perfect here. Is it's, again, it again goes back to timing. When that trade happens, when they're signed, put them on the trade block because there's a yeah. bump that they get when that happens, right? Yeah. When when Tyreek Hill gets traded, it's unlikely that that like ruins his value in dynasty. Now there were some people out there that were saying, "Oh, he's going to a to a Tagovailoa can't throw," and which we know isn't true. And then he's got Jalen Waddle to contend with. Well, he contended with Kelsey. You know what I mean? Like. I think he's going to get his. I think Waddle's going to get his too, right? So there's a whole bunch of this speculation that occurs when these moves happen. And I think if you can strike while the iron's hot and kind of make that news you know, work for you and get a little bit of a premium on it, now is exactly the time to do that, right? And if you're already, if you're, your general philosophy is when they change teams, they struggle, what you're doing here in theory anyway is you're selling, they're going to drop in value or what you're speculating they're going to do is they're going to drop in value while they struggle and then you buy them at that discount before they gain back up. And then in that delta that you've got from that player, you've gained value for your team, right? That's kind of the general thought. And I think that's a fine way to play. I mean, there, again, there is no wrong way to do this. I like that logic. And I think what you're trying to explain is with the, and may, correct me if I'm wrong here, with the with the bigger guys, with the studs, the more important guys that delta can be higher, right? Where you're going with like a Christian Kirk, that delta that you may be adding to your team may not be worth as much. But when Tyreek Hill gets traded, putting him on the trade block, selling him for a haul to someone who's a believer, you know what I mean, and then writing that as it kind of falls a little bit it just comes back to reality even before the season, and then during the season, if he does struggle, now you can send a trade offer for that guy back, and maybe send the exact same things except for a first round in twenty twenty three, right? Maybe that's the delta, and you got a free 23 first. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the kind of stuff that can really make the margins your your where you're going to live. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah that's the so thing with dynasty. Everyone
3: comes. Everyone come sell to me is what we're saying, because I'm like, yes, come to me, little children. Come to me.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I do think, though, there is something to be said, too. What You said this, too. Receivers changing teams is very different from running backs changing teams, right? And running backs changing, and, and this is kind of dynasty philosophy 101, something I've learned and <clears throat> others have mentioned. This is not a unique idea, but receivers are almost always going to get, if, if they've got talent, you're going to see it. And talent then begets opportunity. Talent will then lead to opportunity. With running backs, it's kind of the opposite. And I'm not saying they're not talented or anything, but if you get an opportunity, then your talent will shine through. And the opportunity is almost more important. And you've got running backs like A.J. Dillon, for instance, talented out the wazoo, but he's playing behind Aaron Jones. What does that do oh, for? Don't us worry, he's going to
2: get plenty of opportunity this year because they don't have a wide receiver one
1: or a wide. Receiver. I completely agree. I'm just using him as an example of like someone who is an opportunity <laughs> away from making this difference, right? And then if that opportunity, if he like even Rojo to an extent, right? Ronald Jones was playing behind you know Lombardi Lenny, couldn't get on the field at all, right? Maybe he is talented and just didn't have the opportunity. Still so can't now, pass
2: block, so it's not a matter
1: true but now he's going to a team maybe that needs that and has an, he has a better opportunity in Kansas City right so like, some of that stuff is where the the changing could be better in theory for the running backs and can be more harmful for receivers so i kind of like the way you put that and that's again that's something i haven't really qualified or quantified even in my head but that's generally in my in line with my philosophy so i don't mind that at all i think that logic makes sense anything good else on job, that Josh. Then, I guess? yeah good job that was bravo <laughs> Any, any I'll take other the wins when that? I get them. <laughs> not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. All right. So I know <clears throat> there was um, one other thing I was going to mention, and it was more related to coaching change. You're kind of mentioning it there, too. When you change teams, of course, you change quarterbacks, but you also change coaches. And in some of these cases, the coach changes also. And I think we, we say this sometimes in the, in the fantasy world, but, you know, listen to what the teams are telling us with their pocketbook, not with the the, the media right? When you sign a big player, kind of like what Kelly said, when you sign a Devontae Adams, it's to drop him into that offense, you're going to use it. You're not going to sit him on the bench. You're not going to hold him out. You're not going to play him, you know, 50% of snaps. You're going to load him up. And the same for Tyreek, right? So there's something to be said there too in saying, well, they paid top dollar for this guy. Is that the same with Christian Kirk? You know, maybe that's the logic that they saw something in Kirk and they're willing to pay him an ungodly amount of money for what we think is that talent. But I don't know, maybe the team just wants to write him, I guess. Is that something you've thought about? I mean, or is Doug, that an idea? Doug
2: Peterson's offense utilizes slot receivers immensely. Yeah. So I, I don't hate that. But the problem is, is that Jacksonville has like 80 slot receivers right now. So yeah. it's like, all right, at a certain point, one of these guys has to play outside. So, And that's going to be the problem is because Christian Kirk, when he's played outside, he has struggled. Yeah. He's not an outside receiver. He well, flourished Kelly. playing the slot in, in Arizona.
1: Yeah, Kelly's an Arizona fan. What, what yeah. do you think about Kirk? And, and maybe give us a little more deep dive as a, as a Homer fan. I mean, I'm a Bengals fan. I'm I'm unabashedly a Bengals fan. I'll tell you all you want to know about Auden Tate. I think that's a terrific signing for the Falcons. But what do you think about Kirk, I guess, as, as someone who's seen it maybe more than I have?
3: I've been really kind of saddened by all of the trades that have happened with the Arizona team because, we had a great team and now it's basically been dismantled um, Mm. and there are some key players. I'm really excited to see Rondale Moore perhaps get more share of the ball Um, at training camp. He and Murray work really well together as far as Kurt goes. Yeah. I'm sad to see him go, but if this is a better opportunity for him, great. I just don't see him on the same level as um, some of these other receivers and so for him to be put into this spotlight into this highly paid position that's a lot of pressure and i hope he can live up to it but i just don't see it happening i just don't
1: well he hasn't proven that he can unlike Devonte right. and tyreek right yeah right i agree yeah, josh you kind of on that gamble are you on that same page? Are you buying Kirk? Are you selling Kirk? What are you doing if you have Kirk and Dynasty? Maybe that's a way to. Um,
2: it. I'm definitely not selling him. Um, I I actually swung a trade in uh, one of my leagues last year. I had Chris Godwin, and I traded Godwin. It was right after his ACL tear, and I and I pulled off uh, Kirk, and I want to say a first in 2023, or it was two seconds. One of those two, um, mostly because I I felt that. Kirk was going to get an opportunity somewhere. I didn't think that he was going to go back to Arizona uh, mostly because I didn't think that there were, you know, I figured the top free agent wide receivers were all going to get paid. Like a new Mike Williams was going to get paid. Adams was going to get paid. I didn't expect Adams to get traded uh, per se, but I kind of felt even when we did our, our wide receiver free agent show that, you know, it it was going to come down to either the Raiders or the Packers. It was going to be one of those two teams Mm -hmm. Um, with Kirk. I expected him to, to move on. I didn't expect him to make more money than God himself. So <laughs> that to me was the yeah. most shocking part of, of, of Kirk's free agency. Uh, but again, you know, landing in a system that utilizes slot receivers, I do think there is upside. It's just going to be a matter of how quickly is he going to mm-hmm. gel with Trevor Lawrence? Because Trevor Lawrence didn't exactly look great last year. And, you know, I understand you can chalk that up to shoddy coaching because Urban Meyer is terrible. Um, you know, you, you could put it to a lot of different things. But now it's okay. We got a new head coach. We've got a new system. You know, if, if everybody remembers the two years ago in Philadelphia, Doug Peterson, was his offense wasn't looking great either. So, you know, there, there's still cause for pause here for me. And the Jaguars' offensive line still isn't great. I know they brought in Brandon Scherf. They they tagged Cam Robinson. But Cam Robinson, this is now two years in a row that he's been franchise tagged, and he's still a very average left tackle in this league. Brandon Scherf is kind of on the downside of his career, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been great the last couple of years for Washington. And he's really just kind of getting paid off of the fact that he was a top 10 NFL draft pick and has been a pro bowler in the past because he was hmm. a top 10 draft When well, he hasn't been terrible,
1: so, I guess that's all you got to be, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Again, it's, it, he hasn't been atrocious, but he hasn't exactly been great. And that's all it takes to get paid. If you're an offensive lineman, in free agency. So yeah. well, I'm still not going this... to go ahead.
3: No, go I was going to say,
2: I mean, I, j- despite the addition, so to speak, that the Jags have made, they still don't have a great offensive line and they just lost Brandon Linder too, who, is actually a really good center for them. So, you know, th- this this doesn't really feel like, you know, addition by subtraction. It's kind of a moot mm. situation to me. So I, I don't think a it's really better. Yeah, it's very yeah. neutral. And so I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, there's a potential for volume. But could it, is it going to look like what Juju put up two years ago, where it's like 120 targets, 90 catches, and like 700 yards? Because that, that's kind of what we're, what I feel like could very well happen at this point.
3: that That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm rolling the dice. Despite what I've said about Kirk, they're not going to put up that much money and not utilize him, which you've mentioned um, earlier in the program, Andrew. It's just ridiculous to think that. They're going to put him in. They're going to utilize him. He's going to get plenty of touches. Are they going to be quality yards? I have no idea. Is he going to score touchdowns? I have no idea. But I do know they're going to utilize him, and that's enough for me to have been buying on Christian Kirk. Um, going yeah, I think the biggest
2: system. thing is it's going it's to be – you're going to see very early that they're going to do what they can to scheme to get him the football. And then it becomes if he's not effective with it, they're going to go elsewhere, right? So this could very well be a situation where – he could have a good first half of the year, but a really bad second half, and then it absolutely tanks his dynasty value. Yeah. Or he becomes a very cheap buy going into year two, where now he has a year to get more acquainted in the system, to get better feel for Trevor Lawrence and their you know rapport, and then the sky's the limit. And then you you basically you know acquired him for say a third round pick and hit a freaking home run.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions that, that all of us are gonna have to just wait and see with some the whole Jacksonville offense really is kind of like is it James Robinson or ETN? Are they gonna split? I mean, is it isn't Evan Ingram in Jacksonville now too? Yep. Right. So it's like what I, there's there's so many weapons, and it part of me is like, can Trevor Lawrence handle all those weapons? Are they gonna all be able to eat? I mean, I don't know. I think I mean, you're gonna see think, a lot
2: of these guys get cut in training camp.
1: Well, that's very I awesome. don't think too, Ingram I don't will.
2: I mean, he signed his his deal is basically fully guaranteed so i think ingram's safe i you know peterson wasn't the one that traded for dan arnold he wasn't the one that drafted lavisca Chenault. he wasn't the one that brought in jamal agnew so like he didn't sign marvin jones so he Dang. doesn't have any real attachment to these guys. So no, no,
1: Agnew, I, I'm almost certain is gone. I think Jones is probably well, but even gone. Then, they Vizca's could just say, gone, you know right? what? Yeah.
2: He's just going to be a kick returner and that's it. Like sure. they, they moved Agnew more into that offense when ETN went down, like kinda he kind of became yeah. the guy that, you know, we thought that ETN Chark was went be. down too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then Chark got hurt. So there went the other outside threat, but then they tried to, they said, all right, well, now we're going to move LaVisca outside. Chenault's not an outside receiver. He's a slot no. guy. He's somebody that's to manufacture touches yeah. for. Well, then you went out and paid eighteen million a year for Christian Kirk. So unless you're running four wide, you, Chenault's going to stay on the outside and be nothing, or he's going. Well, to How many slots can
1: that. we find in this offense? Right, like exactly, <laughs> There's only so kind of many. Yeah. yeah.
2: So the yeah, only two just people truly really on that offense right now that I would feel comfortable drafting Kirk as like a wide receiver four. And Travis Etienne, because I've seen for many years, Doug Peterson has zero issue throwing the football to his running backs. And we know that that's something that Etienne does well.
3: One other little aspect, because I know we should move on to the other segment. But the one thing I was thinking about, too, is if it's not just Christian Kirk's season, but they play by committee, which is totally possible. With that many weapons, they're going to just – um split up the the share like you said Andrew can he possibly feed everybody well he will feed everybody but in bite-sized pieces and that's probably the worst outcome that we could have in my opinion with all those players
1: I kind of agree and I think Kyle mentioned it in the chat you know Marvin Jones might be the best value I think Visca is the best value I think there's a bunch of people that are just done they're like I'm out they signed Kirk That's the guy's job. I mean, you could probably even find Visca on some shallower dynasty waiver wires at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys that I could see getting cut during rookie drafts and things when you have to make room in your roster. But I think that's the kind of player. Well, I mentioned it earlier. I think
2: he could be cut during training
1: camp or traded.
2: Right. I mean,
1: right. And I don't think you're alone on that. I think there's a lot of people that assume that that's true, too. But if that happens and let's say he lands somewhere like, well, I mean, hell, let's say he goes to Green Bay. You know, they need some help there. They don't have anybody. And at this point, yeah. I don't care if you're a slot or whatever. Just go go catch the ball from Aaron Rodgers. He'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. So I think there is still some potential. And, so, and again, what Kelly was saying is the optimist. Like, hey, you're a young kid. You can do it. Go find a home somewhere else, right? I mean, even Marvin Jones is younger than me. So, I mean, you're a young kid. Go ahead, Marvin. No, okay, maybe not. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of that kind of upside and potential with some of these, these other receivers. I think the, the only other person to – I agree with you, Josh. The only other person I'd be willing to, to kind of buy or – you know, have on my team or draft in general is Trevor Lawrence, right? While it's a bite-sized portion, I, I would love to have Trevor as a, a QB two and superflex, for instance. I think there's enough room there for that offense to potentially score some points, and who knows who it's going to be? But odds are it's coming from Trevor. So yeah, I mean, I, there there is some there's a lot of frustration in Florida right now. Let's just put it that way. With, we talked about the Bucks staying steady. Well, the Jags are changing about everything. They're changing the market on receivers. They're changing coaches. They're changing tight ends. Like, they're just getting everybody down. So, and then, of course, we've got Tua in Miami, who just got Tyreek. I mean, Florida is a crazy place anyway. But now you had all this football. Chaos I live here. Man. Trust
2: me. I'm very well aware. I was I'm just going to say, Josh, would you agree <laughs> with this this way
1: of generalizing Florida as a Floridian?
2: <laughs> Florida's a shit show. It's always a shit show.
1: <laughs> Spring break all the time, baby. That's how we roll. Yep. All right, so, <laughs> I think that pretty much covers it. There really wasn't a whole lot this week. And I just I think that was some good uh, some good general content and, and kind of how free agency can impact Dynasty. I think there's still a lot of there's a lot of meat on that bone that we're going to get into over the next month or so here as we get into the draft and all that. But appreciate your thoughts on that for sure, guys. Our last segment of the night, which is my favorite segment every week, is the find me a trade segment. So before we get into this, I want to make sure that we're, we're kind of figuring out what's going on. This the reason we're doing this league tonight, this is submitted by Jay Felicio. Uh, Jay is a a friend of the show. He's obviously a friend of the industry. We're all, I'm pretty sure you guys know Jay at this point, G men, Jay on Twitter. So this is a league that he's in with Rocky and Scott. So the logic was we can't do that trade with Rocky and Scott. That just, that's not fair because they're going to tank Jay's team. They're going to give him bad advice. So what I decided was, well, Hey, they're not on this show. Let's put Jay's trade on this one. It's what we were talking about. So I'll do real quick. I'll kind of pull up some of this, uh, pull up the team and read through it. And then we'll get into some of the trades. Jay is on vacation in Disney, so he was not able to give us comments. But at the same time, I think we can tell from the team what his needs are, and we'll get into that. But it is a 12-team Superflex PPR with a 2.0 PPR tight end premium. So this is a very heavy tight end premium, tight end favorable league in a sense. Um, again, it is a QB. There is sorry, it's start 11, QB, two, rece- two running backs, two receivers, that tight end, four flex, and a Superflex. So it's start eleven. Which again is that's a pretty deep starting roster, and I think that's something we're going to have to you know keep in mind as we come into play here. There is 29 bench, 30 IR, and four taxi. So this is again deep, deep, deep league, and I love deep leagues because then you got nothing on the waivers. You got to make a trade. You got to make a move that makes it a little bit more interesting. As a trade addict myself and a junkie of dynasty, I love when you have to make a trade. Um, So real quick, let me pull up his uh, his team because I want to make sure that we discuss this at least in in general. And then we'll get into some of the trades you guys came up with. Okay, so again, super flex, which I think is something to be said when you've got Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, and Kyle Trask are your only QBs. Oh boy, Jay, that sounds like you might be some needs there. Uh, Running back, you've got Nick Chubb, Cam Akers, Michael Carter, Kenneth Gainwell, Raheem Mostert, and really that's it, but five running backs that are kind of start-worthy or flexible. I don't mind that. Receivers, We've got that Tyreek Hill we were talking about before. DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Rondale Moore. uh, That LaVisca we were talking about as well. Kendrick Bourne, who I think is kind of underrated a little bit. And then there's Quintez Cephas. There's some other guys that, you know, John Brown maybe lands in Tampa and does something. Tutu, who knows what Tutu is going to be doing. Probably nothing. A couple other receivers that are not really worth it much. And then tight end, we've got Gerald Everett, Michael Pruitt, and Kyle Rudolph, which, again, woof. Uh, it's not terrible, but I mean, Gerald Everett doesn't instill a lot of confidence, but I guess let's go into your trade first, Kelly. What was the, the thought process you had and where would you take Jay's team if it was yours to trade on?
3: So I was thinking about my, one of my own teams that is kind of trash and I'm sorry, Jay, but your team is not very good.
1: <laughs> Drop that mic, Kelly. I like it.
3: I'm saying this all with love, like with right. love. We're talking about Superflex. Yes, I understand it's tight end premium. Yes, I understand you have a lot of starters. I understand that it's a deep roster. But let's get real and talk about where most of the points come from. And that's your quarterback. You have a terrible bench for quarterbacks. At least your golf is starting like right for now like maybe not after the draft um and then um he has kyler murray right i just lost my brain
1: yes so kyler Murray, your boy kyler at
3: least he has kyler murray that's pretty much the only bright spot because goff i don't even know that he would put up double digits points per game um on a good day so does that count i don't know so here's my trade offer i think he needs to build up qb I am terrible at trading, one, because I am not confident in if the person likes my trade or not, and two, because they get attached to my players. But I'm not attached to any of these players. He needs a better team. So let's offer (laughs) McLaurin to the team that's NTs greater than D plus L U plus L. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but this team great has team name. Yeah. <laughs> this team has Jalen Hurts. Hurts, um, we're not playing a team game here. This is an individual player that brings in consistent points per game. And I'm super comfortable with, at least for one season, playing Jalen Hurts, making the play for Jalen Hurts. If not, if they decline, he should probably go for a Mac Jones in that case. Um, Just to get some youth, you know that the Patriots are going to keep him as their franchise quarterback and build him up. So there's safety there. So I'm saying to offer McLaurin. And because you're getting a QB, I'm throwing in the 2.2 um, rookie draft. I think that's fair.
1: I like it. I think that there is uh, definitely a need at QB. And in these kind of leagues, sometimes you got to overpay to get one. And I think maybe this would be looked at as an overpay on a calculator, but that's not always what these calculators are not everything. Calculators are a good idea, but they're not going to get deals done. Well, so I think that's a smart start.
3: Right. One of the other reasons I did the – is that um, he has uh, I don't know if the listeners know this or not but he has two other first round picks so there's Mm -hmm. even still room to play if you're gonna overpay per se based on what he has has so he's still making out with two first round picks giving away his second round pick to sweeten up the pot but if the person box if he can get hurts and has to give away his like I think it's 1.8 um, I don't see that as being a huge sacrifice either. And McLaurin, I think, is, is a great wide receiver to add to that team's wide receiver roster.
1: Oh, that's great. And I, I wanted to clarify, you're right. He's got the 102, the 108, 202, and then some other later picks. So he does have two first round, you know, pretty good picks. He could use the 102 on a receiver or on a running back or on a quarterback or I don't think you're going to use it on a tight end. Tight but, end. Yeah, it'd be that'd be real Kyle Pitts in this
2: class, guys. <laughs> right, right?
1: Maybe the Giants take a tight end early and, you know, they get Wiedermeyer and G-Men Jay, Jay Felicio is like, I got this. I got it. Um, no, I think that you're on the right track. And again, just for the sake of argument, plugging it into the DLF calculator just to see what it is, it's 501 for Jalen Hurts and 493.8 for the McLaurin 202. So it ends up being very fair in a calculator as if that, and again, we just said it doesn't matter. But it is nice to see like, OK, well, that's worth sending. Here's the logic. There are plenty of people out there that value Hertz as more than that. And there are plenty of people that value him less. Than that. There are yeah. there is a whole that's batch me. of people. Well, there is a whole batch of people that don't think he's going to start more than one than this season, really. And again, Josh, as, a, as an Eagles fan, are you, which side of that trade are you on? Which one would you rather have?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm always going to side with the quarterback, especially in Superflex. So, um, I mean, it, it's one of those it, – it's a sad state, really, because anytime you're in a Superflex league, you're not ever going to get one at a value. You are always going to have to overpay. It's just the nature of the beast because nobody wants to part with quarterbacks. They don't want to be left hanging. I think the upside here that Jay has is, A, this he has the 102, Right. And this is a very weak quarterback class. So you could see a situation where a quarterback doesn't go 101. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: then he has a shot to get, you know, the best quarterback from this class. Now, whether that's Malik Willis, whether it's Pickett, whether it's, you know, Ritter, Corral, how whomever it may be. You know, we talked about this actually on our our Wednesday show. We brought in uh, Kevin Coleman, co-host of the Debbie Royale. We were literally talking about this year's quarterback class. And one thing that that you know we kind of been ingrained in, in my head over the years when we've done like our intro to Dynasty show and had other people on is that quarterbacks always have the most value in superflex. So even in a weaker quarterback class, if one ends up having high draft capital their value isn't going to sink much from from you know year 1 to year 2. I mean Trevor Lawrence last year being the 101 not just in the NFL draft but in rookie superflex drives in in most instances you know started like I think his his startup value was at like QB8 QB9. Yeah. Well, it's currently at like QB12 13. Like it hasn't sunk Yeah, much. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's still that insulated value that's built in as that, that highest draft capital quarterback. So if Malik Willis ends up going at you know 102 to the Lions or even 106 to the Panthers, to me, that's an easy 101 in a super flex draft. But if somebody else says, you know what? I would much rather take a Brees Hall or a Kenneth Walker. Now yep. he's got the best valuable chip in this draft class sitting at the 102. So I went a different direction in my trade simply for that reason. I said, let's try to fix the tight end position. Let's try to fix it cheap. So I said, you know what? Let's take one of your somewhat decent receivers and get a somewhat decent tight end. And I said, let's trade Kendrick Bourne to, wait, this isn't Madden, and get Logan Thomas. This this manager has some decent depth at the tight end position, and he's absolutely loaded at wide receiver. So, maybe it's probably not a trade that he would consider taking because again, I believe he's got like Cooper Cup, he has Debo Samuel, he's got uh Jalen Waddle, he has Mike williams, uh Stefan Diggs. like he's absolutely loaded, right? but in this in these settings, he can start up to six wide receivers, yep, and he and he's got Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, and Austin Eckler. Well, if any one of those running backs goes down, you're basically deciding between Kareem hunt and a wide receiver at that point, maybe a tight end. Sure. Ricky seals, Jones going to the giants. I think there's going to be some opportunity there. So he still has a decent backup to Zach Ertz. but I think you can get Logan Thomas for cheap coming off of the injury. And we all know how much Carson Wentz likes to target the tight end and how much the tight end is targeted in that Washington offense so i think that's a solid trade for both parties it provides some decent depth in the event that like catastrophe strikes his wide receiver core this year and it fixes a tight end issue at least temporarily for now and sees what he and and again it keeps draft picks out of these trades which i feel like jay needs those picks for this year at the very minimum to try to trade maybe trade back in some instances to build up in the 2023 draft class.
1: I don't mind that. Kelly, what are your thoughts on Josh's trade there?
3: Yeah, I think that's um, probably a solid a solid trade. I know that he does need help in that tight end position, and personally, I play multiple tight ends in most of my leagues just because um, I like the versatility that they add to my teams, but at the end of the day when I look at this team, I don't know that tight end would be my first band-aid. I know you feel well, I think to it.
1: No, it tells you it tells you a lot and that's why I like these these segments because not only do we get to explain how we play, and that's why I like when guests get to come on and explain it because there's so many ways to build a trade, and I think ultimately it comes down to where do you where do you go? If this is your team, what move do you make? And the reason the main reason I like that is because as a especially as a new dynasty player, I have no idea what to trade for. I don't like what am I looking at here? So this opens up some doors for Jay. And hopefully he listens to this after he's back from Disney and having a great time. And he can listen to this podcast and go, you know, I never thought of that. Logan Thomas would be a good option. Right. It kind of gives you some outside the box perspective, as we said earlier. So I think there is something to be said, too, with doing a small trade isn't the end of the world. Because if you can pull off something like this and upgrade your tight end position for the cost of a Kendrick Bourne, that's not too bad. Yeah. You know, low risk, maybe high reward. I don't mind that.
3: I yeah, also that hadn't thought about effect, jo- so. what Josh said. I hadn't thought about what you said about once um, favoring the tight end position. So that's something that also didn't necessarily cross my mind. And that's a great point, which makes this another great option.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, they get caught up in in every time they make a trade, it's got to be a blockbuster, right? Mm. It's like, I've got to go get that like <clears throat> top five guy. Like, what can I do to get that top five guy? And it's not always about that. Sometimes it's it's as easy as, you know what, I'm going to trade this third round pick to get a, a decent depth beast. Or I'm going to take the seventh wide receiver on my roster to, to maybe, you know, temporarily put a band-aid over a, a position that I'm hurting at. You know, well, and, and I again, think I mean, both- you, you you never know. I mean, maybe he says no. He probably says no, and that's fine. Shoot him a DM. Hey, you know, wh- what are your thoughts? Like, you know, you just not interested in Bourne. You don't want to give up Thomas, and then start the dialogue. That's kind of the way that I that I operate trades. Like, well, I, I try to offer something that's that's fair in my mind, value wise. But I don't know what they're thinking about their team unless we start that dialogue.
1: Well, and that's kind of where I was going to get into this, too, is that both of these trades, in my opinion, have room to add on Jay's side. But there's no reason to throw that over the wall with 108, throw it with 202, right, with Kelly's uh-huh. trade, right? Like, same with yours, like throw it with Kendrick Bourne. Maybe they say yes to that, right? And I think sometimes there is this, you know, it's a fine line and every league is different. And again, all we do every week, we talk about trades on this show and we talk about what we would do and how we would do it. And we're going in with very little and we don't even know which teams are Rockies and Scott's. Right, We can't see that, which I think is hilarious. They didn't tell us. I don't want to know. It doesn't matter, right? But the point is, if you send an offer like that, sometimes, depending on the league, you know that other manager in that league, and you send that offer, and they they put you on blast in the group DM, like, what a crappy offer. and I'll, Why would I send you a smash accept offer? Like, what's yeah, the right. logic in this? Why would I send you something that is so good you had to say yes to it? It's a negotiation. And if anything, what we're talking about here are starting points. They're not the end points, Right. Like, maybe that's kind of the theme of tonight's show is entry points. You know, this is an entry point into trading. Like, you're sending a low ball, in a sense. You're not being rude about it. I'm not sending Kendrick Bourne for Joe Mixon. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to get, like, your best, and I'm not trying to send it for a quarterback and get 17 players off my team. No, no, no. no. These are okay trades. It's just I might have a little room to negotiate, and I think sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle on Twitter when you have people that are like, I need to win the trade, and it's in a vacuum. You don't see the 13 trades that went back and forth until it got there. Right. Sometimes that context can come in handy too, right? Especially too with you back to Kelly's. If I'm sending McLaurin in the two oh two and I'm getting a quarterback, that's a steal. I would love to have that. And I think you're right, Josh. Does the guy say yes to that? Maybe not. But what does he add? Maybe he adds somebody else. Maybe he switches from Terry McLaurin to someone else. Maybe he instead of the two oh two, he wants a second and twenty-three, and that's all who knows, right? The other guy might have a whole bunch of needs that we don't even think about. So it, it just gives you a way to start the ball rolling, right? And I guess to pivot into my trade, too, just to kind of wrap up here, mine was a similar idea, um, kind of, I, I guess, in a way to both of you, because I was trading Terry McLaurin to, I love this team name, ready, down, hut, 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 for Pat Firemuth and Miles Sanders. So, and again, what I'm looking at here is McLaurin, who I think is all of these trades include Washington players, which I think is hilarious, the, Camador, the Commanders, Commodores, whatever they're called, um, the Terry McLaurin Great guy, great player, but I'm nervous, right? I'm just, I'm a little scared of tears at this point. And I think getting Friar is a stud tight end in my book. I love Friar I think he's got a high, a high, good future, high potential, high upside, all that. And then Miles Sanders, I think a lot of people are low on Miles Sanders. They're kind of what you know, ready to get off that train. Gainwell took a lot of time last year to come in, but when he did, he played well. So I feel like that's a trade you might be able to work on it. And then you add a young tight end to your team that gives you some options. And yeah, you're getting rid of scary Terry, but I think that's the kind of trade, it's sort of like both of your trades in a way together, where I'm sending Terry, but I'm getting a tight end instead of a quarterback. But, I mean, again, Kelly, I guess, what do you think about that trade? It involved the same guy. Am I on the right track?
3: I think you're on the right track. Uh, being Again, that being that I'm new to Dynasty and I'm fearful of trading, I would I would feel like they're like giving up. Of Luth, who has a great high ceiling, and Miles Sanders, whose people are low on, and getting Terry McLaurin in exchange, and they may feel like you do that it's scary Terry, so they're yeah. gonna want something else. But there is still room to negotiate, which is exactly what you said. Don't don't throw out your best offer, which is like in my offer why I didn't do the 108 start with a 202 and yours you're not starting with any picks you're just starting with mclaurin who's a high value receiver so i think you are on the right track for sure for negotiation um i can see both sides of that for sure
1: josh what do you think yeah, about in that? all honesty if i'm
2: jay if i'm jay right now i'm looking to trade like half his team like yeah. I, I would be looking to i'd be looking to bail out on on tyree Hill. i would get whatever i can for deandre hopkins um I would I would take a, you know, the bag of chips and a doggy bag for uh, LaVisca Chenault at this point, (laughs) Um, you know, and and just ride in with as many young guys as you can and, you know, see what you can get for Nick Chubb, too. Um, You know, I mean, you're probably not going to be able to trade golf. I mean, I I feel like the best bet you could probably get is a high second at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you could probably break the bank with Kyler, but that's just going to reset you at quarterback. Um, but I mean, at at this point you need to accumulate as much draft capital as you can, because your, your two highest scoring potential positions at quarterback and tight end are pretty barren and being a deep league, you need as many dart throws as possible. So I would be looking to bail on some of these older players that he has right now and hit, hit reset.
1: Well, and again, I think what you're doing is what I would do is if I'm in this kind of position, I'll be honest, this is probably a middle of the road team. I don't yeah. see this as the worst team in the league, but it's it's probably not making the playoffs with as it sits right now. Even with right. those two first round picks, I don't think that's enough to turn it around. And it, the worst place to be in dynasty is the middle. There's no more of a you know purgatory than being seventh or eighth in your league. So yeah. I think if i I'm kind of hitting on what you said, Josh, if I'm this, if I'm Jay, if I'm this a manager and i I have this team, I'm blowing up as many of the big pieces for smaller upside plays as I can. And that's kind of where again the the sending one McLaurin for two guys that I think I can get more from. And all honesty, what I would probably do if if that trade were to go through, I'd probably look to send Sanders for two pieces below him, and kind of keep breaking it down and just keep getting picks in the future. Keep you know anti consolidate right, like let's just explode this up. And I think um, I know a friend of of ours, Kelly. At least I'm sure Josh is a fan too. But Jeff Bell put this out on Twitter where he's like, consolidation is my love language, and I'm like, you know why that is? I agree. Because when I'm consolidating, it's because I'm contending. When I'm consolidating, it's because I'm going for the title. I'm trying to take my depth and make my lineup as good as it can be. That's when you consolidate. When your team isn't great, there's no need to consolidate. I don't want to win. I would rather be last than seventh. So at this point, I'm blowing up every piece that's scoring points. I don't want points on my team, especially in March. But, I mean, like, I'm just trying to add value to my team and not points, not production. Mm -hmm. Let's get trade value. You know, let's send Tyreek for – uh, 106 and the 23 first. Maybe that's not enough, but at the same time, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let's just move. And I think that some of this too, is you have about a month until the NFL draft, give or take a month until most rookie drafts. This is the time of year when you can try to start making some of those moves and say, all right, well, who do I want to load up on? Because picks accrue value until they become on the clock and then they decrease yeah. heavily once they're picked. So I don't think you're going to be able to get picks once they're on the clock for, you know, definitely for more than you are today. So you might as well try. And in this league, just again, because I think context is fun on this, there is a team on this, and again, we don't know who manages this team, but there's a team (laughs) with six first-round picks this year. The Nigerian Nightmares has six first-round picks in 2022, and it looks like uh, four second-round picks. So that is a team that has been doing this already. They've already been blowing it up and getting a lot of picks in the 22 draft. I would look at that and say, all right, well, if I'm them, if I am that team with a bunch of picks – I'm probably looking to trade some of those and consolidate a little because where are you going to put all that in your roster, right? And yeah, so I mean, he definitely has
2: done. some good pieces to build around. I mean, he's got DJ yeah. Moore. He has T. Higgins. He has Justin Jefferson. Yep. I mean, Amonra St. Brown, uh, George Kittle. Like, really, his biggest weakness, he's really young at quarterback. He's got Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, uh, Jameis James Winston. Winston. Yeah, You know, again, you like, could that's... probably take two of those firsts and get – a decent quarterback,
1: well, a backup trade that I had in case I, you know, somebody was way too close or in case we didn't have enough on this. One of the other thoughts I had was a general theory of sending Kyler to that team for a bunch of those picks and be like, Hey, you know what? That, yeah, Looking you could at definitely that team, do that too. He's got again, this is Nigerian nightmares. We're talking about he's got JK Dobbins, and that's about it at running back. Okay, you can figure out a running back too. That's not the end of the world. And then looking at – Brandon Bolden scored a, scored a ton of points. Maybe he comes back on the Raiders. Maybe Jerick McKinnon does something. You never know. But, again, like, you've got plenty of picks. You can still pick a running back. But then his receivers, yeah, yeah he's got Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, DJ Moore. Uh, what was the other one he had? Well, yeah, in Rusty Brown, you mentioned. So, like, he's got a solid receiving core, which is where I like to build my teams. So, that's someone where, like, if you add Kyler Murray to that team, that becomes a contender. Like, now that, that team is just one running back And they away, still and have
2: picks team. to continue to improve. Well, and that's and what I mean. Continue to
1: build going forward. Yeah. If you're only one running back away, you're a contender anyway. Because running yep. backs, one of those positions, we see it every year. In week eight, you get a name off the waivers in Dynasty that becomes a top 20 running back. It just yep. happens every year because of the nature of the beast. I mean, someone, Philip Lindsay, hell, Philip Lindsay gets traded at the deadline to a team that's desperate, who's making a contending run. Phillip Lindsay gets traded to, to Buffalo and becomes a stud. Who knows, right? Like you, so I love taking all the flyers he's got at running back. But again, that team is like one player away from dominating. And I don't think that Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter or Carson Strong makes enough of a difference on this team. He needs, yeah. In my opinion, that's where Nigerian Nightmares could do some damage. So if you trade Kyler there, and again, that's probably where, if you're really looking to blow it up, that's the first piece I move. Not Tyreek, not the receivers. I move Kyler, and I'm just like, I'm off this train. It, it, I want no points on my team. You don't have tight ends. I don't want quarterbacks then. Like you said, Josh, those are the biggest points. I'm out.
2: Yeah, I had a similar situation in a Superflex uh, with, like, 30-man rosters. Like, I, I'm sitting with Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Trevor Lawrence. Like, I'm, I'm absolutely set at quarterback, but I've got nothing else. Like, Hunter Henry is my best tight end. Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk, my best wide receiver. Like, I, I really just did not have the pieces. And I ended up swinging a deal. I traded Mahomes, got three first-round picks – So now I'm sitting with four firsts in 2022. I'm sitting with two firsts in 2023. And I've got pieces now across both of the next two drafts to be able to either use to reload or just grab the draft picks and pray to God they hit.
1: As a new Dynasty player, Kelly, is this helpful? Are you enjoying this talk? I see you're just kind of soaking it in. But I guess what is your thought on trading Kyler, your boy?
3: Yeah, I am just soaking it in. I have Kyler on the team that I'm trying to rebuild. But um, what I ended up doing was keeping him and a handful, like two or three other key players. um, And... And I have a ton of first round picks in 2022 and 2023. And I've made some good moves. I actually should show like a before and after at some point. But it it was very similar. It's like I have a lot of mediocrity going on that I could move for, um, you know, a better chance. Consolidate it, like you said. Basically blow it up. Except I ended up holding on to Kyler Murray because I felt like that's one of the, the the only pieces I had at that point well yeah, yeah. And, and there is something to be yeah.
2: said that even if you have that top level quarterback to hang on to them because they are insanely difficult
1: to acquire oh sure
3: right I'm not so. saying that's the
1: only move. I'm just saying I like to if I'm gonna blow it up I want zero points I want the fewest amount of points I can get on my team and I think Kyler is gonna he's the solid quarterback and it's definitely something worth building around but again the way this roster is set up with the two tight end premium it's like maybe I just, I just booted another year. And again, we don't know all the context. We say this all the time. We're doing the best we can with the info we have, but sometimes that outside perspective can open some doors and say, you know, maybe Jay's like, you know, I have been trying to trade Kyler. Nobody's giving me fair value. Well, that's great. I didn't know that. That's why I'm mentioning it. Or maybe he's like, you know, I never thought of that, but that guy is what, you know I mean? So again, that's the thought process and why we do this because I think again, it helps us solidify our thoughts, helps us find trades. I can't tell you how many times, I do this exercise every week that I'm on the show and I find a trade or two or three or whatever. And then I go to my leagues and I'm like, you know what? I am going to trade for LaVisca. I'm going to send some offers, right? Like, let's go see what I can get. And I think too, with every league being different, there are some leagues that are very stale and very quiet this time of year. And then one trade opens it up, right? Yep. One trade leads to another trade. And again, I think what you said is perfectly put, Kelly. Sometimes it's as a new dynasty player, you can be nervous and trigger, like, trigger shy, gun shy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to mess it up the only way to fix a bad trade is to make another trade. So I think that's what got me addicted was that my first year I screwed up the draft in my first dynasty league. It was an auction draft. I did not do well. I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I price enforced incorrectly. Well, yeah. And I, I I had only done a couple before that. And I, it was a my first ever dynasty and I price enforced incorrectly and got stuck with like AJ green, who was not a good pick. Right. And I was like, you know what? I, I didn't tank per se. I just did badly that first year, but at about eight week, eight week nine, I was like, I'm over, let's go for it. And I started trading everybody. I traded for injured players. Like I just literally did productive struggle as I started reading more and learning more and getting to know the industry more. I was like, that's something I can do. And it helped a lot. My team is set now I'm good. Right. But sometimes too. And I think this gets lost in some of the shuffle just because you trade away. Kyler doesn't mean you can't trade for him later. Right. Just because you have a lot of picks doesn't mean you have to make these picks just, you know, trading once does not, it's not the last trade you're ever going to make Lord willing. We have more time to trade. Right. So I always look at it like, let's just increase value. Let's do what we can to help my team and play it like a general manager instead of with my heart. But I do have a bangle on every single one of my teams. I just it's I have to. That's my rule. Uh, I'm the I same way to. with the Eagles. Dude. I'm the I, same have to. I want to have some. My problem is it's it. Jalen
2: Rager on most of my teams and I just want to try.
1: <laughs> so. I'm, I'm sorry, Josh. That's a different <laughs> podcast. That's not we're not here to talk about you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That sounds like it'd be fantasy intervention. Actually, maybe they should do one of those. But uh, with that said, I think we've helped Jay a lot. And again, hopefully he can come up with a trade here. I'm sure Rocky and Scott will mention if either of these or any of these teams are theirs. Um, and I'm sure they'll give some feedback. And if uh, if they've heard our feedback and it is their team, they're going to be like, I'm asking for more. Um, but that's fine. That's what this is for. But again, I, I think that was great. So thank you, Jay, for submitting your team. Uh, thank you for being at Disney and enjoying your family. I think that sometimes gets lost, too. All of us content creators need to reset. Do what you got to do. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've told someone you need to create more content. It's the exact opposite. Create less content. Live your life. Go do what makes you happy. Um, I'm always a fan. At the end of, of the so day, again,
2: that's what leads to really good content.
1: Bingo. Yeah, being so fresh and, and coming at it life. differently. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And again, we've seen some real world stuff in the past couple of weeks. I know Kelly has, has had some really interesting stuff that she's been honest about. But again, like the real world is there, and, and this can be a distraction. So. <sighs> Sometimes it's good to just let it out, vent it out, get it out there and refresh.
3: I was just going to say, like I've been scrolling while you've been talking. You're right. Yes. I listened to everything you said about decompressing and refreshing, but I wanted to just add one little bit about how my team and I kind of blew it up a little bit. Um, One of the players I wasn't thinking about moving was Judy. Um, because he was one of my only players that might have been worth holding on to, but I was able to trade Judy plus one of my plethora of two picks, the 2.8, and I got, that's where I got Kirk, and I couldn't remember who else I got, but it was Schultz. And I Hmm. think that that was a solid move for my team getting those two players for Judy and and like I said I have a plethora of two picks and I was able to trade I did loot, trade my 1.1 which mm. I had been holding on to I still have the 03 and the 05 Would you um, trade
2: the 101 What would you for? get?
1: Yeah.
3: I ended up getting Justin Fields and Ezekiel Elliott. Um and I also. For the
1: 101 video. alone? Um,
3: and the 101, one of my other one O's, eights.
1: The so 101 and 108 have... for Fields and Zeke. I like that. Yeah, I don't
3: think that's I do that at
1: all. I like that.
3: So I still have that. And then I still have the 105. Now I'm lost, but I have two other ones. Good.
1: <laughs> That's all that matters. You've got some options, but I was, and you can still trade yeah. those when you're on the clock or yeah, something. Yeah. You know, you can still. Yeah, I've sent, I've ones. sent,
2: I've sent trade offers. I've got the 101 in a couple of super flex leagues, and I, you know, I've sent it out for, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, just to kind of see like how people right. are feeling about them after a disappointing rookie season, and you know, I, I've gotten some unfavorable responses back, but it's, you know, <laughs> right. it's like, you know, well, I, I don't know how you feel about them. They fucking right. sucked last year, you know. Right, right.
3: <laughs> well, no,
1: I, and I think it, that's yeah, it's a good point.
3: The whole point I was trying to share there was that while I was holding on to Kyler Murray, I really needed to just to build a better team, build a bigger team. And as I read about the 22 class, there wasn't anything that really stood out at me that I needed immediately for this year that I can't get in 2023, where again, I have another three or four first round picks and another three or four second round picks just because I did not know what I was doing in my first draft. So
1: I think you did <laughs> fine. That sounds, like you're, that sounds like you're doing all right. I, so, actually, this is a good pivot in a sense. And we can wrap up after this. But there was a discussion going on. Like, wh- I know there, this has kind of always been a discussion, but which do you prefer, Kelly, drafting or trading? Like, do you prefer the startup or the in season work? Which do you prefer?
3: I prefer the startup. But I, again, I think it's just because when I choose a player, it's because I love them. I really like (laughs) them. I become attached to them, and then when it comes to trades, I I don't feel confident in them. So I'm getting more confident, and even going through this exercise, I was like, "Shoot, you know what? I really do know what I'm talking about, and I need to trust myself more." So this was super helpful.
1: Well, I appreciate that, and that's what this is for—is to help people. So I'm glad you could you could get some insights there. And then, Josh, I guess, what do you just because I want to make sure I understand your point too. Is it drafting or is it trading? Which I guess of, of the two, which do you prefer?
2: Um, honestly, I think I prefer trading more because um, you find yourself when you're drafting, sometimes you're not thinking about values. Right. You're thinking about my guys, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I want to get my guy. If I have to overpay for it, I'll overpay for it. Like For me, I would almost rather do that via trade. Mm-hmm. And during the draft, like I, you know, I and I've done drafts where I'm constantly trading up to get guys. I've done the whole, you know, productive struggle trading back, you know, building as many picks within that like you know three to nine round range and and accumulating some rookie picks in, in 2020, you know, in the the next couple drafts and that kind of thing. You know, I've done all the different things, but I, I think sometimes too we find ourselves when we're doing you know, startup drafts that typically are slow drafts, the the time tends to screw with you more than you realize because mm-hmm. you're not sitting at a computer and you're not necessarily looking at your rankings. You're mm-hmm. just going off of that like gut instinct, like, oh, I'm on the clock. Well, crap, let me make this pick before I'm stuck at work for the next nine hours, you know, and yeah. you're not being, you're not really like, all right, I want to take some, take, take some time, let me survey the landscape here. Maybe somebody wants to trade up. Maybe I can get something of value here. It's, oh, let me make this pick really quick. You know, so I think the trading aspect tends to be more fun for me than the than the draft itself.
1: I agree. Yeah, and I, I'm just, I like trading in general. I mean, like that's just, you can, I don't want to say exploit people, but like it, it makes it easier. Whereas it like you said it perfectly, Kelly, when everybody at the draft, they're all their guys. That's all the guys yeah. that they wanted. So as soon as the draft ends, there's inevitably this huge lull of weeks or months where no one trades it's like no i got the guy i wanted i don't need anything i'm sad right and to me that is like the saddest part of every league (laughs) just like what come on man let's make a trade let's do something everybody's like why would i trade i just picked him like i know but i just want to do something so that's why this year (laughs) i think is one of the first where i've taken over orphans more than i've done startups where i'm like because that's the best. When you go into a league as an orphan and you take over a team that you have no connection to, and there are some leagues you jump into that and you get an asset list. Like if I were to take over Jay's team, here's my new asset list. I didn't draft these. I'm not attached. And everybody sees that and they go, oh, fresh meat in the water, and they start sending offers. And they're like, hey, do you want to get rid of this guy? Do you want to get? Rid-? There are sometimes I literally just accept a trade because I'm like, I was going to send a trade, but that's close enough, sure. And I'm like, you know, I'm losing value, but I don't care. I'm making a trade. Like I'm just getting it going. And so, like some of that stuff is just that that's the endorphin hit that I like. I'm a trader. Yeah, for sure.
2: I, I I've gotten into liking the idea of taking over Orphans. I've done it with a couple teams. Uh one that I took over literally in the middle of last year. Uh I, I turned Dalvin Cook and, and Chris Godwin into Javante Williams, Jalen Waddell, and a bunch of picks. And now I'm go. sitting with the 101, the 102, the 110, and I'm absolutely loaded with yeah. young talent across it just the feels board. good doesn't it it just yeah. feels good and with and with russell wilson getting traded to denver now i feel like i have a legit number one quarterback now i just got to solve the issue of jared Goff behind him but you know you, you still take, got you five take, months take, exactly i got five months to figure that Time's out and i've got I and I'll, and I'll obviously get the best quarterback from this draft too yep that i can plug into there so
1: very nice. All right. Well, I think that's enough. I think we've covered a lot of different things. <laughs> I like that we are able to go from kind of like an experience side to a new side. Again, I, there is no wrong way to play this. I always tell people too, I really want more people to play dynasty. I think it is the better format. And again, that's just an opinion. I'm not going to trash what you like. I just like it more myself. That's all it is. If you like redraft, go for it. I have no problem with it. If you like IDP, go for it. I'm not here to, to yuck your yum. You know what I mean? Like go have fun with however you want to have fun. But I find that I have the most fun in dynasty. You know, redraft, I don't get to make trades in March in redraft. You know, I don't get to talk about the rookies as much in redraft until they're on a team already by in August. And we already know everything. I like the speculative nature of this whole thing. So I just, that's where I go. So before we go, last thing, of course, I want to make sure we give you guys a chance to, to kind of push where you are. I know we mentioned a little bit before, but I guess, Kelly, we'll have you go first this time. Where can people find you on the Twitter machine? And what are you up to? What are you not up to maybe is the shorter list, but where can people find you out there?
3: Yeah. You know what? I gave a very long introduction at the beginning, and I do want to thank you so much for allowing us the platform to talk about women in fantasy football as well. Um, If anybody's interested in what I'm up to, um, it's around uh, sports content development, marketing, and I share a lot of just my own personal struggles with mental health. I have just recently shared a story on IBT Media and, media.com and it's, um, my survival story of sexual assault. So it's kind of heavy and ties in a bit to the Deshaun Watson case. But if you're looking for anything I'm doing, just look at Twitter, Kelly in Phoenix, and you can see everything I'm up to.
1: Perfect. Thanks for that. And uh, Joshua, where can people find you and what are you up to these days?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the one Hudsonian, um, myself ryan weiss joe zolo my my co-hosts uh we do no punt intended every wednesday at 7 p.m eastern on our youtube page uh, youtube.com forward slash club fantasy ffl um you know a lot of what i'm doing in fantasy right now is, is less writing and more you know just trying to build the website bring in some new contributors um and then you know continue to grow and and, and push forward um women of fantasy football with faith and, and Kelly, um, outside of fantasy. Um, I am a screenwriter as well. And I've got a, uh, a web series that I'm finishing writing praying to God I can finish it in the next three weeks. Um, cause I have a director a friend of mine in, in, Sarasota that wants to start pre-production on it. And you can't do that without the finished script. So, um, yeah, obviously I'll have updates on that on my personal Twitter, but, uh, you know, more than welcome to follow me for fantasy as well as you know my my love for film and and comics and music and stuff so
1: well i think that hits perfectly none of us just do one thing right i was saying before do you be you like just be just be honest and genuine and i don't think any of us has just one thing that we're a fan of right we all have many things that we like to do so it's always kind of nice to see other people's other hobbies
3: Andrew, I would be remiss if I did not say this. I'm so sorry. Josh just reminded me when he says he's a fan of comics. Today is um, Trans Visibility Day, Mm. um, and my sister Jodi is transgender, and she is a comic book artist, and I shared her work today on my Twitter feed. So if anybody is interested in supporting the trans community, trans artists, and bringing visibility to the transgender space, I would love it if you would go and either uh, purchase from Jodi, contribute to her Patreon, or just share and like or comment. It would be um, so meaningful to me on this particular special day.
1: So oh, good catch. Good catch. And then I also want to say, make sure that we, we talk about the women of fantasy football at women of underscore FF, go follow that, get some new updates. There will be a raffle. I know there was a great time with that last year. Uh, you guys are going to the expo I'm sure. And, and there's going to be a ton of fun around that when that comes around in August. So make sure you go follow that, go follow at galvanized life as well for that whole movement. I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs a little bit more, more publicity, right. And just can use a little bit more, of, or more eyes on it, so to speak. So I want to make sure I mention those. Obviously, I'm at Andrew Hall FF.
2: Go ahead, Josh. Real real quick, Andrew, because you you mentioned the raffles, and and you are a Bengals fan. So I I will spoil one of the raffles that we're going to give away on Women of Fantasy this year. I have a signed Jamar Chase Bengals jersey that we're going to raffle off.
1: (laughs) I was already in, but I'm in. I like it. I'm in.
2: So that's my one tease. That's my one tease.
1: All right. Well, hold it aside for me, and we'll talk about money after. But uh, I do want to I, I thank you guys so much for bringing that to really
0: baby. It really was a great
1: time. I'm glad we could get through some of this stuff. And obviously, it's good to talk about things outside of Dynasty, too, while we're in the offseason and everything. So great content you guys put out there at Club FFL. And really appreciate you coming on. Again, I'm at Andrew Hall FF, the other hosts of the show that are not here tonight that will be back in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Rocky at Dynasty FF Addict. And Scott Sidlow, at Scott underscore Sidlow, Portfolio Dynasty on Twitter, um, but definitely I think there is some. I follow us at Dynasty Junkies. There is some discussion that we always like to have with our with our listeners, with our viewers. Uh, follow us every. You can follow the DAP Network at DAP underscore Network, uh, the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, uh, the DAP, if you will, which I always do. Uh, follow us. So you can see us go live on Thursday nights, and obviously catch Timeline on Wednesdays and Trade Addicts when they go live. Obviously, we got get real with Casey Kasem on that on that network too. So anything we can do to help, you know, promote other voices and talk about new, new angles on things. We're always a fan of that. Um, definitely subscribe rate and review on the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We mentioned this last week, leave us some reviews. Uh, we are taking new, find me a trade submissions. We're always taking new submissions. You can find that either through the pin tweet on my, on my Twitter or through the dynasty junkies link tree, which is on there as well. Um, definitely, you know, give us some feedback. We'd like to hear about it. And again, as we go into this rookie season, as we go into the full season, We're always listening to fans and listening to listeners. And if you have anything you want to bring up, definitely let us know. But with all that aside, again, thank you guys both so much for being here. But at the end of the day, the best part of this whole thing. Good job, everybody. Junkies out.